This is Kevin Pruitt with another episode of Rising Tide Startups. And my guest this evening is Bruna Mabs. Bruna, thank you for joining us on Rising Tide. Thanks for having me. So tell, tell the audience a little bit about Bruna Mabs. Such a hard question because <laughs> I feel like I can Where go in start? so many directions. <laughs> but mainly I'm an illustrator slash writer slash artist. Um, and even though I've been doing different things, this is kind of like where everything falls into. It's with my art. So even when I'm writing, it kind of goes into like, how can I create an image for this words um, kind of thing? So I think calling myself an artist kind of gets to incorporate everything. Kind of captures all, all, of, all of those areas. Exactly. And I have been since I was a little kid. So it's all I've known, uh, even though I've done different paths of creativity, I was always um, a creative kid. So you, you said, you told me offline that you, you grew up in Brazil, but you've been here for like the last, been in the States for the last 10 years or so. Mm-hmm. So how did you, I mean, you said you were kind of a creative child. So has you, you always been on this trajectory? I mean, as every time you had spare time, you had a piece of paper and you had a pencil, you had, you know, chalk you had something that you were creating with you were painting I mean what what was kind of the walk us through the pathway from from say childhood to now okay um try not to make this too long (laughs) um so my grandmother is an art teacher Uh so and my dad had for a while a graphic design um company and my his sister is a graphic design artist. So I've kind of, that's all I've known my entire life was some sort of um, creative job. I don't have any doctors, lawyers, or any <laughs> of those people in my family, which I always joke around that, you know, it's, you, I really didn't have an option. This is all they introduced me to. So I fell into this um, naturally. But before choosing to go to college, I never really saw myself doing art um, as like my grandmother always did as a career because I never, comparing myself to her, I guess, I never thought it was as good or good enough. So I chose to actually go to fashion design, which was um, in my, you know, then I was like, oh, it's creative enough and there's a little bit of drawing, but I see how I can get a job with this. Yeah. Um, So that's where I went. I went to, uh, college in Brazil for that and then right before I actually started school I met my husband on a vacation here to America and he's American so we started dating while I was in college there and then by my third year we actually got engaged and since we knew that the whole immigration process was going to take a long time we ended up getting married in Brazil while I was still in school and then when I finally was able to move here, I went to FIT, which is a fashion design, um, Fashion Institute of Technology in New York City, which is also fashion design. So I was still in that mindset by then. And that was, I think I graduated from there. I was 22. So then I was, you know, pretty sure that that's what I wanted to do, but I ended up actually doing costumes for film and TV um, right when I was still in college. And that kind of took me to that path. And I ended up working in the film industry for almost four years. Um, We moved to Los Angeles. We did the whole thing. Um, Got to go to Hollywood. You got to, you know, I I can't even um, 
say that I didn't do the whole thing and it's funny looking back, but it was very cliche. <laughs> um, and then in the middle of all of that, from just realizing that I was pretty much gone all the time, I used to travel 10 months out of you know the wow. year yeah. and didn't really have a routine or no time you know um to just exercise or do anything normal or have friends or anything right. and already being away from my family in brazil was already like a big thing so i was starting to think is there anything else i can do or that i know how to do because with a degree in fashion design my <laughs> options are very That's limited very pretty um, narrow path I know. But were you but doing then, illustrations at the, at the same time? I mean, when you were doing costume design, were you also drawing these out? You know, were you, were you illustrating? Yeah. Um, in college, we kind of had to choose if we wanted to do a design kind of specialization or the sewing part. And I uh -huh. chose the design. So I was already doing artwork, but it right. was very functional. It wasn't right. um, for no sense of just doing it. They all had a purpose. I had but to what happened on your shoulder i mean as you're as you're that, that yeah that's actually uh two drawings from my art from my teacher in school actually okay um, they're not mine but okay. i kind of have a hard time hanging up my own stuff sometimes <laughs> i feel like i'm already surrounded by yeah, a lot of my stuff and it's like you need to hang it up that's, <laughs> that's um but what happened was a friend from college actually was working for this fashion company and she remembered that I like to draw from school and she was like, Hey, we need a few illustrations for the, the company. I think kind of like a lookbook magazine thing. Sure. Yep. Um, and she's like, do you want to try to do it? And I was like, sure. And that was kind of like a period that I um, was in between films so I was like, okay. And that was my first look into like, oh, people get paid to draw. <laughs> like yeah. I never, in a, in a way that it wasn't fine art, I guess. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, which I had never really actually, I don't know if I didn't know or it wasn't just as common for me to even consider. Um, and I think that was the first time that I started to think, oh, there is something else that I know how to do that it could come off of a career I guess um about how long ago was that so we were still in LA when I did that project so um, about how many years ago approximately I think five now um yeah this should be five or six so that was kind of your your intro to this transition I mean was that like the first step of your transition out of kind of the film industry into whatever the next phase was or am I jumping ahead of the story here no, it was close because at that point, um, my husband actually got a call for a job back here. And we were like, you know, maybe we go back, you start this job, and now we'll give it a try on this whole illustration thing, or at least try to take a break from film. I knew I could always go back to, since it wasn't like a job, it was just, um, I could just take a break. So right. I was like, I'm going to take six months, I'm going to try to create a mini portfolio. I got all the books I could get my hands on to like figure out what the career even was. Cause honestly I didn't know much. Um, and that kind of was pretty much. And then what happened was actually just trying to remember we got back. I ended up still taking a couple of movies. Um, and then I got an offer from an agent to sign me 
And at that point, I kind of had to make a kind of like a long-term decision because I felt bad signing up and then saying, oh, you know what? I'm not really sure about this. Right. Um, so then I was like, I said no, because I, I was like, I think I need to give illustration at least a try first. And then what I did was I documented my testing, I guess, on Instagram. And then I started getting um, kind of like small jobs and then I never actually after that um, took another movie and still doing this it's and kind of here we are yeah it's so it's, it was definitely um, a bit of a different path to get here but I kind of see how it happened and how I probably wouldn't have got here if it wasn't for all of that um, so would you consider yourself a, a freelancer or would you consider yourself I mean that kind of a a sole yeah. proprietor company i mean how how would you when you explain what you do how do you how do you explain it to people it's a mix of both i will say because i do get hired um by companies and our directors and individuals but i also sell my own art so mm -hmm. that i've self uh, initiated so i think it's kind of like a 50 50 um there it's you know i don't like to just call myself a freelancer because it's kind of a, a term nowadays that people right. don't know exactly what you do. <laughs> right. Or it so, sounds like you work on a Fiverr or something. You exactly. Know? <laughs> or you do anything that people want you to do. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. just, but, and I don't really, as illustrators, the majority of us are not actually signed up to just work full time for a company. So few companies mm -hmm. that have an in-house illustrator that I think is just commonly right now that you work for yourself so your your company i mean your website is brunomebs.com do you have a, any other website do you have other other areas that you have your art displayed or so i have an etsy shop um i end up i used to just have the shop on my website and end up transferring out to etsy just because it's a lot easier they take care of um a lot of like little things that you don't have to worry about upkeeping if you have right. your own shop. Right. So that's mainly the reason. Um, but that's the only place I have um, stuff on. So how much of how much of your would you say your annual revenue or the 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 money that comes into the business is done like on your artwork, and how much of it is done more on a contract basis for for companies or for individuals that are asking for like you know like bespoke pieces. Yeah, so I would say nowadays, um, 80 maybe 70% of my income comes from Etsy. Um, but mostly because I chose to. I, a few years ago, decided to slow down the other side, mainly because cause it's in the beginning, when you start out, you just want to do all the big companies and the yeah. big jobs because yeah. of your name. And then I realized very fast that, that were actually the least creative projects because so many people had to sign up on and they come mm -hmm. to you with so many specializations. It has to be this size by this color, but you know, mm -hmm. and I was like, you know what, this isn't what I signed. Like that wasn't the whole idea for this business. I'm not just here, a machine, just right. an apple, you know, there's, yeah. um, there was a reason behind, I wanted to be creative. That was the whole point. So then I realized the smaller the projects were, the more open the people mm -hmm. were to let me at least give my, idea so then i started to try to um take more of those kinds of jobs um 
So nowadays, I think it's probably maybe 60 to 70% um, comes from individuals and small companies. Right. So when you, when you have started your Etsy shop, do you specialize in any particular thing? Do you, I mean, are you, have you found your niche that says, this is, this is what I like to like to draw. This is what I like to illustrate. These are the things that I, you know, or is it, is it kind of a wide variety? Biggest problem. (laughs) (laughs) So what happened was in that first six months that I decided to just test things out, um, I ended up getting requests that were all over the place. Um, and then I end up finding myself a few years later doing a bit of everything. Um, and now it's where I'm actually starting to say no to things that I don't think um, no longer at least match what I want to show as, but I'm right. still um, taking on some of, so for example, in the beginning I did a lot of watercolor. So watercolor is very popular right now and I do get a ton of requests for home portraits to fruits to flowers and all of that stuff but I really want my brand and my style to be more into the black and white ink stuff which is what you're going to see on my website if you go there now right so I'm trying to like stay away from being known as the watercolor girl it's funny how you end up being known by something you didn't even choose to be known for if you're not careful enough (laughs) um so now it's kind of like starting all over again and mm-hmm. trying to get clients now to get me to do what I actually want to do. But I think I didn't know in the beginning what I wanted to do. So it kind of happened um, that you, way. Would you say you're at the point now that you can be a little more proactive instead of reactive? Like you can, you can kind of pick and choose what you want to do. You can choose who you want to work for. You can choose what genre you want to, you want to spend time in. I mean, you know, you mentioned earlier that it, not only am I doing illustrations, I'm also doing some writing and other, other creative pursuits. I mean, so. Yeah, it's, um, I'm definitely nowhere I want to be mm-hmm. when it comes to like completely freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, I do, I'm lucky as well that my husband has a full-time job, so I can say that I can take more risk. And, uh-huh. you know, I know that it must be very different if somebody has to be the sole, um, income person one house it must be much more difficult but i'm also forcing myself i guess now to look into my portfolio more than the money that is coming in thinking more long term so it's not always financially the smartest decisions um but i'm just trying to think in 10 years from now five years from now i don't want to be still in the same situation so i'm just taking a little bit more risk and saying no to things that don't fit um, the criteria, but it's definitely still very scary sometimes when something comes up and um, it's a big project. And I really sometimes have to like force myself to say like, you know, this is not what I do any longer, but, mm-hmm. and recommend someone else for the job. But and then I'm explain just hoping that will pay say, off. I'm sorry. I just turned down a $10,000. Yeah. So <laughs> it's, it's very hard. <laughs> um, but you know, and it might come to a point that I have to take those things back. I don't know. I'm just trying, I guess, a, a new phase and see if that pays off in the end, um, which hopefully will. <laughs> Isn't it a little bit of a balance, though? I mean, you know, you've got to, you have to balance the whole idea of, especially as a creative, you have to balance the idea that says, you know, this, this is what I would, 
that's what I really want to work on. This is, you know, I, I am going to do things then, you know, within certain parameters that are going to generate revenue. You know, I just, I'm just going to create mm-hmm. stuff that nobody wants to buy just because I want to do it. But uh, I mean, there's always that balance that it's almost like friction, you know, between, mm-hmm. you know, the two, it's kind of like, you know, you may want to want to specific, you know, stay out of watercolor for a while, but people may keep coming back to you because they've seen your work and they said, Oh, you've got to do this. You have to, you know, you did this for me last year, mm-hmm. you this, you know, bigger project or whatever. And you're going, I'm trying to get out of that. And they're going, you know, it's, so you're almost like, you know, pigeonholed just a little bit into, you know, some things that you don't want to do, but you really do have to decide. I mean, especially within the you know financial parameters of, of your family, you have to mm-hmm. decide, you know, what can I do? I love the, the way you kind of, it's almost like a calculated risk. You know, it's, yeah. you know, what are, I'm not taking, I'm not putting the family in, you know, financial harm by doing this. I'm just, you know, maybe I'm re- generating less revenue, you know, for, for the short, short term here. So. Yeah. I, I definitely think it's a balance of, um, of your time, of your goals, and of you know being realistic right. and being responsible, and at the same time being happy. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely not something um, that I am 100% done figuring out. I still think it's something that even with my grandmother looking back, she taught um, our for that same reason. Like she needed to make a living off of it, and she was also she always said that like I, she kind of created her own work kind of slow. So she knew that that wouldn't pay off uh, her bills for a long time. And she was fine with it. She was, you know, happy that she at least could do um, that on the side. So, you know, it's, it's, I think it's from person to person and you got to know if you're doing this more as a hobby for, as a business is a whole different thing. And a lot of times you got to do what you don't want to do to keep, um, the business going. So I do think it's um, something I'm learning still, mm-hmm. but I do think it's, um, it's making more sense as time goes by on right, right. how it should be managed at least. Looking back, do you, do you think that you learn more from your family or you learn more from formal education as far as how to be an artist? Cause I mean, you've got to have a certain amount of natural ability. I mean, I could you study mean, art from the ability of being time. able to draw. Right. Yeah. From being able to illustrate, being able to paint, you know, the things that, I mean, it, it sounds like you came from a pretty creative, you know, family lineage. Um, mm-hmm. So would you think you learn more in the home or outside? I guess because comparing myself, I guess, to other students in school or anything else, that everybody always had that I, um, was very good very fast I mm-hmm. guess comparing to them and I guess I have to say that it was because I wouldn't say that they taught me how to draw specifically but they taught me how to like to draw mm-hmm. so it kind of became something I always did what a and great obviously yeah that made me probably um better than if I never had done those things um as a kid so I guess growing up that way definitely gave me maybe a head start but I also don't do know um, that if you compare my work from ten years ago to now, you won't even believe it's from the same person. So Has it gotten better or worse? Oh, I hope it's better. <laughs> no, I'm just uh, but who knows? Maybe I will look back in ten years and feel like you know what I was doing. I'm it. losing all my talent. It's, I know. <laughs> uh, that's another tricky thing with art, right? Like, how do we judge if it's better or not? Um, 
it's so it's a whole different um thing that i'm still figuring out too and like everything else i mean you know there are trends you know there are there you know you you have to you ebb and flow with what the market is looking for at any given time and you know it's kind of like you know interior design and and you know exterior design and, and architecture and you know there are there are just rolling trends all the time but you mentioned something earlier that I wanted to touch on really briefly here. Just the whole idea of, um, and I think I think for extreme creatives like you, I think it is the most difficult is really balancing the business side with the art side. You know, there are a lot of people out there that are really good artists, but there's not a lot of people that are really good artists and good business people at the same time. You know, how do you how do you balance that in your in your world in your life? I think um, because maybe luckily my background is in fashion, which is an industry that does that very well. Um, even though it's all about being creative, it's all about making money. I think when I came to illustration, I kind of had that um, idea that it was, if I'm going to do this, it's going to be a business. I'm not going to, you know, do this as a, if it works, it works. Like right. in my opinion was, I want to do this full time. I don't want to have to get a job somewhere else and then do this on the side. So in order to be able to afford to do this, I need to do it as a business. And since I would end up having to learn by myself, um, what the illustration business even was when I bought all the books and kind of like put myself through cool for that side, I bought all kinds of business books. I still, because I'm looking at them right now. I have like, a lot of books about selling, um, even from real estate agents to, you know, people that, because I do see as you are in the business of selling art. Yeah. Um, so I think that's unfortunately also something that school in art school, at least they don't, from what I hear from all kinds of artists, they always ask me questions. They don't really touch much on that side. Mm -hmm. It's all about if you yeah. do good art, should speak for itself, but right. it doesn't. Yeah. Um, you still have to find an audience at the exactly. end of the day. And, you know, the ones that are teaching in the art schools are, are artists that, you know, they earn their money by teaching in art schools. They don't earn their money necessarily by, you know, creating their own art and selling it exactly. or unless they're extremely, you know, the extremes of, of greatness here. But, yeah, so I think it's very important if there are any other artists listening that you school yourself as much on the business side as you go about your art because I do know also that really good art, you can make really good art and not make any money mm -hmm. and you can have just an okay art and make a lot of money. So there is a differential here that if you're good in sales and you're good in marketing yourself and you're good in business, you can make a lot more money dependent of the quality of your work. So, and as artists, we never think our work is good enough. <laughs> so if you're waiting to be at that level that you think, okay, now I can sell, you're going to be waiting forever. Yeah, so you might as well learn the sales first That's and right. then That's working good, on your art. <laughs> a good distinction. Who would you say, uh, who would you say inspires you? I mean, can you, Find, you know, can you find one person or two people online that you say, hey, this person really inspires me, whether it's in the business space or the art space or maybe a combination of the two? Um, there is this woman, her name is Karen Bond. Um, she has a YouTube channel, but she's a interior designer and she has her own firm 
and she's always talking about kind of this idea that if you want to create your own business and if you want to do the actual um because it's very most careers that you can use any sort of creativity at one point if you want to actually grow your own company you got to end up leaving the creative side and you actually end up just filling in as the entrepreneur the boss the ceo mm -hmm. and you kind of have to stop a little bit doing the creative part mm -hmm. and but since my job i'm for me, I'm one person doing all of it. I kind of have to sometimes realize that I have to put on the hat of the entrepreneur and the CEO of the day and right. not the artist because it's very easy to just want to do the art every day yeah. Yeah. and then never do the administrative stuff. So she kind of like helps me to just remember that since I haven't hired anyone else, mm -hmm. this is, I have to do both sides. It seems like the, the book, The E-Myth, uh, you know, kind of touches on that. I mean, it's a, it's a kind of a sales management, you know. I feel like I read that book. Entrepreneurial, you know, entrepreneurial, you know how do you balance all like the, the technician thing? Exactly. That's yeah, I read that book. Yeah, yeah that, that is exactly kind of what you, I was thinking of that as you were describing that. So, yeah, a, and that's the sad part, right? Because I think the book talks about the baker or something that she loves to bake, but yeah. then she has to do the other part of the business and he's like you either have to hire people to bake for you or you have to take a job and go bake for someone else yeah and yeah. for me it's like i can't really hire anyone to do the art for me <laughs> <laughs> so it's become it's kind of like the one thing that you really can't hire anyone to do in business form um even there you know i don't know if you know the company rifle paper company which is like a stationary thing um when she created she did the art forever and i think now she just decided to hire someone else and it's like how can you hire someone else like the, the whole brand it's her art you know yeah um but you, but could. Won't... you could hire people to do the administrative tasks you know you exactly. can hire people to do the other tasks that you know you may not be as strong in or you may just really not like to do so exactly which i kind of make my husband do <laughs> Here we go. What a great relationship we got. Know, he really doesn't have an option. I'm like, hey, I can't. I'm not good in math. Okay, there's not that many talents going on in this head. You have to take care of this if you want the bills to be paid. Right. I make beautiful art, but I do not want to do the the accounting. That's exactly right. Is there a uh, is there a quote that inspires you? Is there a you know one liner that you you know have taped up? Did you you've done some great you know piece of art around? Yeah, I have a quote here actually on my board that says, I forgot who wrote it, but it says, um, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Uh, yeah. Which is really um, something I struggle with <laughs> because I think as creative people, as soon as you start a project, you have an idea for another one. <laughs> to finish anything for me is very hard because I just get so excited for the next one. Um, so that helps me to stay on track on like finishing things and um, doing one thing at a time. Uh, so is that how you would define hard. the main thing in your in your um, ecosystem? How when you're thinking about you know how do I keep the main thing the main thing? What is your main thing? So I like to think of the main thing as my legacy, um, which kind of puts me in perspective on the projects that actually matter. Mm -hmm. So 
which I do see them um, in the future. If I, you know, if I want to look back, I want to see that my work, um, the things that stayed are books. So I'm always working on either a novel that would have artwork or coloring books or anything that I do think books are the best way to pass along things you've learned and things you um, figured out. So I do see that books are kind of like what I want. You know, my goal is to have one book done every year. Um, I've only have officially published one, which is a coloring book, but I have a few other ones that are almost done. Um, and even though that's like my passion project and I don't make money from it, to me, that is the main thing. And I, and at least it reminds me that when I have free time, that instead of looking around for something else to do, because nowadays with the internet, it's so easy to get distracted. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. yeah that that's the main thing for me. It's just, you know, what do you want to leave behind and focus on that and everything else that you don't do be okay. <laughs> now, do you want this book to be your, your artwork? You want this book to be some writing with your artwork? I mean, what do you have in mind? Yeah. It's, kind of a legacy. So, it's tricky because like I said, every time I start a project, I have an idea for another one. So <laughs> I started writing this book for more like advice for other artists. And that for some reason, I got this idea for a novel. I've never written a novel before and I've never been much of a writer, but I was like, you know, what? I got to get this book out there. Mm-hmm. And now that I'm almost halfway with it, I'm actually, I can see having some illustrations, even if it's just one per chapter or something, right. even though it's not meant for kids. Uh, I think my artwork, because it's black and white and something like that, it would still um, be okay to put in an adult book. Absolutely. Yeah. But, I can see the beginning chapter page, you know, every chapter yeah. has an illustration with the, you know, the chapter. So I know it's not common, but that's kind of the idea. So I'm going to always try to incorporate at least both things, right. um, but I don't know also how the response of people are going to be for it this. It seems but. like a classic approach, you know, a classic writing approach. You know, you can look back and see, you know, these books were written in the 1800s or 19, early 1900s that are absolutely illustrated that way you know I, it's oh, just great it's good feedback to, to you know to go back what you had in mind but speaking of going back if you could go back to you know a few years ago kind of your pre-startup you know your pre-transition into working for yourself what is one piece of advice that you wish you would have known then that you would you would tell yourself back then that you think would make a world of difference yeah um i think you know it's so hard when you say things like that because at that moment obviously you don't know so but if I could slip myself like a little message somehow um I would just tell myself that the amount of work and time that I'm putting in it's going to actually reflect the future um because back when I started I think because I was so insecure if this was going to even become a career or a path I took a lot of breaks or a lot of times I would um because I was so nervous about it I would just be like you know what nothing that I'm doing is actually gonna work or it's a waste of a time maybe I should um you know I thought a lot consider going back to costume design because I would get offers and I had all this equipment I had a whole storage unit 
um, in Los Angeles, even when I moved back, filled with all of my tools and, you know, clothes that we usually like things that I collected through years, for example, like um, brooches from in military uniforms and all of that stuff that the whole time, like, should I get rid of this stuff? Am I actually, um, is this going to be worth the, doing all this random art, you know? So I think if I could tell myself that it was going to be okay, I would have made all of those decisions a lot faster and without um, pondering about it and, you know, weighing things so much and it would have just gone um, through, you know, more um, confident. Right. So, you know, I haven't asked, I'm going to throw you a curve here. I, I told you in the, in the pre-chat, you know, that there's a chance I may ask you a question I, wouldn't, I hadn't prepared you for, but okay. I'm just curious, what's the, what is the most recognizable movie you ever designed for? Recognizable mean that the, people the, will know? Yeah, or broad, broad basement. You, you mentioned everyone go, wow, you did, you, you worked on Titanic. Wow. You worked oh, on, you know? It's tough because I feel like there's so many movies. I don't know what people know. Um, just name a couple I, of three. Yeah, that's what I'm trying. Like, it's weird how I don't even um, remember names. <laughs> I mean, you can definitely look me up on IMDb <laughs> and you can see the movies I've done. But um, I'll put that link in there. There's way. some. There's one called, I think, right? I know they change because movies change name throughout the production time. So a lot of times names that they started as is actually not the name they end up choosing. But there's a movie, I think they end up with a name called Pandemic. It's a horror movie and it's on Netflix. Um, I'm guessing because everybody's addicted to Netflix now that that would be the most seen. Um, I don't know. It's kind of tough. I've done a movie with a guy from Captain America, but I don't really know if he, if that movie itself um, turned out to be like known. I think it's also on Netflix, but it's, I'm horrible with names. So I think, you know, the safest bet is like, look up on IMDb my name. It's, I'm the no, only one. That's what we're going to do. I'm going to put your IMDb link right there. But uh, yeah. I mean, that's, a, that's a great, uh, great point, I think, in our conversation to, to transition to our, uh, one of the newest segments of our show called the, the Rising Tide Micro Course. And this is, this mm-hmm. is where you become the teacher and our listeners are are really going to, you know, really focus in on, on two or three points that you want to make here right at the end of our, of our course here. And, um, professor, you have the classroom. So, uh, so much, um, pressure. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think I'm it. going to, yeah, I'm going to try to give this advice. I guess if you have any sort of business that could ever require some sort of illustration, um, and why, that could benefit you uh-huh. um, because I think that's a little bit less talked about than maybe any other advice that I could give. Sure. Um, I think nowadays with the internet, it's so easy if you need some sort of image to just go and get something like from a stock website and it's cheap, it's easily accessible. Um, and I think sometimes people, especially if it's you're starting out and you don't know yet the value of something custom made for you but i think one of the biggest values is that artists can offer um any kind of company business especially if you have some sort of website that this is going to be shared um for many years like a logo or something like that um 
when you go to a stock website, you are the only person making a decision and you're basing the choice that you're making only on your own vision and idea. And when you're hiring somebody to actually work with you to create something, you're actually getting um, not just your opinion made into reality, but you're also getting my feedback um, mm -hmm. and my opinion and why that's a good idea. Because a lot of times when you're starting out, you don't have the experience on what does a good logo needs to look like. You may have an idea, oh, I want a butterfly. But do you know that having a butterfly made in two colors is actually going to help you in the future when you're actually putting that butterfly into a piece of fabric or printing out in many places? And if you're reducing that logo much smaller than you need. So a lot of times people don't have that experience or that knowledge that only comes really from me doing this for a while that when you hire somebody to actually custom create something for you, you're actually getting um, not just my art, but you're getting my opinion on why that should work better for you. Sure. Uh, which I think is very valuable, Absolutely, especially yeah. um, in the beginning when you, it's only you making decisions. Um, and a lot of times clients come to me with an idea and then after we talk for a while, it's a whole different thing that we end up deciding that they always say, like, I didn't even know that that's what I wanted. Um, right. So that's definitely um, something that I think it's, you can't really get for something that's already ready made. Mm -hmm. uh, it's almost also that whole um, serendipity of when you're browsing a bookstore and you find a book that you were not looking for, but it was the right book for you at that moment. Exactly, yeah. Um, you kind of get that when you... Um, go with an artist instead of just going browse because it's, it's hard to get inspired when you already know what you want to be inspired from uh, and googling something it's so different than walking around outside and letting something jump at you that I think you know um, people nowadays with the online world we kind of like forgot about all of the value of getting out of the computer and out of the house and out into the real world. So if you can um, take a step back from what you think you want and let, you know, the world tell you maybe what you should want, I think it's great. <laughs> and I think it can only help you because it will give you already a differential from what most people are doing. Right. Right. I think those are, those are great. I mean, I, I'm trying to write furiously, but I mean that I think that you, you came up with uh, what I, what I could extract from this were, were really two really clear points. I mean, what are the advantages of, of hiring an illustrator to help you with, you know, company artwork or, you know, design website, whatever. The first one really is the, the idea that you almost have another set of eyes. You have a, another opinion. And not only that you have, it's an informed opinion. It's, it's somebody that understands color scheme, somebody, you know, color palettes, somebody that understands the, the, you know, the longevity of design and how design will look on different fabrics and in different mediums and all mm -hmm. the things that, you know, you kind of ex expounded on. And the second, I, I love the idea of, you know, you gain the, the opportunity for this serendipitous, you know, moment, you know, through the artist's eyes, through the, the portfolio that the artist has and, and, you know, just, you know, kind of going offline, you know, this whole idea of, you know, take this offline yeah. and just, 
just, you know, look at this through a fresh set of eyes and, you know, kind of browse the, you know, that portfolio, like you're, like you're walking through a bookstore and, and, you know, let it kind of speak to you in essence, you know, through the, through the design itself. Is that a good, is that a good summary of what you were trying to convey? Yeah, definitely. I hope this makes sense. I know they're not, um, the obvious things, I guess, that people might expect, well, we but I do think they're the things that are missing. <laughs> That's right. I mean, we, we can get the you can get the the common things. We can get off Facebook off a Facebook meme. I mean, we you know we're talking to an artist here. We, we <laughs> go off the beaten path. You know, we want something really unique and and kind of bespoke. So, um, it's, are the two things that I really live my life by, and I do even um, when creating my own work. You know, sometimes it's so easy to just look at what other artists are doing and then you go somewhere that actually it's not even art related like a restaurant. And sometimes I get better ideas from the right. way that chef laid out food on the plate than me Googling food artists, you know, it's just, yeah, that's a great example. You have to um, let all your experiences, I guess, complete you instead of you trying to form everything. Um, mm -hmm. I think that's usually, when creativity really um, exists and when it's not forced and when it actually just uh, comes from being alive. <laughs> right. That's, that's kind of why I bet, you know, some of the best ideas happen like when you're in the shower or, you know, when you're, you're not trying to generate ideas. But so if somebody, if, if we really captured somebody's attention here with this, with this rising tide micro course, you know, that you just expounded on. So where is the best place that somebody could go to get in touch with you for, you know, to start talking about, you know, how you could help them as an illustrator, you know, in their business? Yeah, so the best um, way to contact me is through my email, which is just contact at brunamabs.com. Okay. Um, obviously, I'm in every single social media outlet out there. So you can find me there, you can go to my website, which has um, links, links for everything. But I'm pretty good with replying to people's questions, because that's especially not gone to an official um, art school. I know how important it is sometimes to just ask somebody that it's doing um, something that you can't figure out. So I always try to reply and answer all the questions. So if you guys have any things to um, double check, feel free to send me a message. I, you know, I really do make a point on replying to everybody. Um, so that should hopefully, um, give you guys enough room to find me more than you probably ever need. <laughs> <laughs> well, you never know the, the, the serendipity of a rising tide listening audience. It could just flood your inbox with just overwhelm you with response. And, you know, you, uh, it might take me a while, but I'll definitely turn get things back away. To That's, right. <laughs> That's exactly right. Well, Bruna, thank you so much for just taking the time tonight just to, uh, you know, talk to us. And it, it's been a, a really unique experience. And I, I, I'm so glad that we got in contact with each other and, and have given you an opportunity to kind of share your story and, and uh, just share kind of a, a different, a unique, you know, perspective from, from maybe our, our more common episodes that just as, you know, how, how can art and business really, you know, fuse together into, into something that could be very, very fruitful and very helpful for you know, not only, not only your business, but also, you know, our listeners as well and how, you know, really kind of set them apart, set their businesses apart with something that's really unique. So I just really appreciate you taking the time tonight and just really uh, just, you know, playing your part in helping all boats rise on a rising tide. Bruna, thanks again. Thank you. It was a pleasure.